How does that line go from Jerry Maguire? Show me the money! Yes, today we're talking all about money, YouTube, blogging, influencers. Let's do this! Welcome to the Influencer Green Room, where influencers get real about audience growth, brand deals, and the business of being an influencer. It all happens right here, inside the Influencer Green Room. And welcome to another episode of the Influencer Green Room. My name is Liron Segev. I'm a YouTube growth strategist, which means I work with some of the biggest brands and biggest influencers on the platform, helping them grow their channels. I'm also a tech influencer, YouTuber, and blogger. The conversation that we bring you from inside the green room is where real conversations happen, and today is no exception. Today, we're talking about that thing called money. So by and large, there are two types of creators. There are those that treat YouTube as a fun, cool little hobby, and those who treat YouTube as a business. Now, there's nothing wrong with either of these approaches. I will say that in all my time consulting with various channels, big and small, that does come a point where the creator realizes that, uh-oh, there's some serious expenses to running a channel. And this is where the hobby creator changes the mindset and asks the question, how can I make money from YouTube? So to help us answer that exact money question, I am super happy to have my good friend, Kristen Hills, who's the co-owner and YouTube strategist of Six Sister Stuff, who's here building an entire empire online with her brands. And she's going to tell us how she is doing that. So um, Kristen, welcome to the Influencer Green Room. Thank you. Thank you, Liron, for having me. Super excited to be here. <laughs> always fun to chat with you. I love it when we talk YouTube shop. We always come up with these weird and wacky ideas. And the difference is you go and implement them. And some yeah. stuff just works. <laughs> uh, some stuff doesn't. But you're not yeah. afraid to try. So that's what yeah. I love. And we're going to unpack all of that. But before we get going, let's set the scene. You're everywhere online, so it seems. So take us through, like, what is Six Sister Stuff? Okay, so Six Sisters, we started 2011, so we've been going 10 years now. Wow. Um, we started as little mommy bloggers, which was great, and we started posting like recipes on there, and we noticed whenever we post you know, a good recipe that people want to make, we'd get a lot of views from people from all over the nation that we didn't even know you know, could come to our blog. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the blog started, and then we realized, okay, in order to make this grow, one, we need ads on our site. So we got some ads and then we started growing each social media platform on their own. So we would really focus on a platform for a few years before we'd move on to the next one. So our first one was actually Facebook and then Pinterest and then Instagram. And then about three years ago, I jumped on YouTube and kind of have been like running with it, hit the ground running as soon as I... <laughs> figured out how it works I, I loved it so that's kind of that's my area of expertise is the YouTube area yeah but that's why I said you you seem like you're absolutely everywhere well this <laughs> is why because you are absolutely everywhere I mean I, I remember we met back in the day when you were still in Dallas we were hanging out at like a YouTube event and yeah. like, like one of the things I said to you like casually at the, one of the meetings was Ah, so chocolate brownies, hey? And lo and behold, the next meeting, you arrive with this massive tray of chocolate brownies. And I thought, okay, 
I do like to share my story. (laughs) (laughs) That was very funny. I thought it was like super cool. All right. So so let's go back. You've got, um, so you have your sisters around and you're around your family meeting and you're saying, okay, girls, I am going to take us onto YouTube. What was that conversation like? That was, they thought I was crazy, like (laughs) completely crazy because one, no, none of us watched YouTube. I didn't even watch YouTube myself, but I just had this nagging feeling like I know that the next step is video. We need to be on video. And I knew YouTube was one of the biggest platforms. And so we're, I just kept telling them we are crazy not to be on this platform. And so as, yeah, I went to a few conferences fell in love with how YouTube worked and yeah, like the strategy behind it. I, I love numbers. I'm definitely a numbers person. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I kind of saw it, it was almost like a game to me. I'm like, okay, let's grow this thing. Let's have some fun. So yeah, it's, it, it took a good year and a half for my sisters to finally like <laughs> accept that, okay. okay, Kristen's losing her mind. Um, she's going to keep doing this because the first year, I mean, you don't, you don't make a lot of money your first year. Let's be right, honest. Like, right. At least I didn't. Some people are special and they can, but for the most part, it's a lot of work and a lot of grinds and mm. yeah, it, it was a lot of work. They thought I was crazy, but now, now they are thrilled and it's all all as well (laughs) so so where did you get into youtube like specifically that that became your focus so i got in it was like october 2017 i went to cvx live and yeah that's where it kind of lit a spark now and we had been using our youtube channel like because we would make videos for facebook right and we would throw them up on youtube so we had been on youtube for a good five years before but it, it wasn't doing anything. It was, yeah, we were just doing a video. And it was just help. It was just a catalog. So it was helping you. Yeah. I mean, you had the video anyway, because you were focused it for Facebook. So you might as well do something with it. So it's a dumping ground. Let's, let's yeah. throw some stuff up there. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, how, how many shows do you release a week at the moment? So it kind of <laughs> depends on the season. Okay. Um, I like to do one edited beautiful video on Sundays and then every I, I was being very consistent of going live on Thursdays so I was doing twice a week um but for a long time I just did one a week for like two years because that's all I could keep mm. up with mm-hmm. um currently we're going to change my lives we're trying a new strategy and we're going to do a YouTube shorts on Thursdays on our big channel so that that started last week and yeah we're just going to kind of go and see how how it goes so one big video, one short video now this week. So, see, that's what I meant about experimenting. You're not afraid to try stuff, <laughs> no. and it may not work, and that's totally yeah. fine. And then you'll stop doing it, and you'll do something else. But it's, exactly. if you keep doing what you did before, and as much of a growth as you've got, you're not going to get that next big bump unless you push that envelope a little bit and work out what your audience is receptive to, what yeah. YouTube is receptive to, and therefore kind of make, make those changes. So that's pretty, pretty cool. So you started yeah. one video, then one video plus a live, and now you're changing up your strategy again. See, I dig that. Yeah. Now, good. obviously, it costs money to produce these episodes. I mean, besides yeah. kind of buying the ingredients, like, do you use like outsourced camera people or editors, or do you still do everything yourself? Okay, so the first two years, I did everything myself. 
I actually, the first year I actually just filmed with my phone. Um, then I finally got a nicer camera and went from there. But yeah, then huh. into the third year, we, we got someone who would come and film and then take the footage and edit it. But it was, we would film on one day and film for 12 hours solid. Wow. And it was just, it was really hard and it got exhausting. And now I'm changing my strategy a little bit of, I need to try and tell more of a story and to be more personal with my audience. And so I actually, we, we got rid of our, our videographer and editor. And so right now it's me back filming everything and currently editing everything just until I can get, until I know how I want my videos to work. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully I will pass it off to an editor that I can, can teach that understands YouTube. So yeah. There's but, a long story. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is smart because once you know it yourself, you you can home in your skills, then you can then outsource it. Your yeah. finance, self-financing these costs. Did you ever have a plan or a deadline to say, look, this channel needs to be self-sustaining by X, you know, it needs to hit a certain date or else we're pulling the plug. Did you ever have that? We, we didn't, um, just because at first it was just me, like right. everything was out of my own pocket. And so I knew I was cooking food for my family anyways. And so I just put it into my grocery budget. That's how I made it work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yes. But now, now we need to, we have goals to hit certain number amounts, um, just so we can pay for, for, yeah. For stuff. For, for stuff. Like, I mean, <laughs> currently in a mastermind class right now that costs money, you know, like right. in order to learn, sometimes it costs money to, to, yeah, to, to learn and grow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the beginning, it's a money sucking pit, you know, before, yeah. you know, you're putting besides your time, let's, let's take that out of the equation for a second. Yeah. You still have to buy the items. You still have to buy the right equipment. Then the lights are off. So you got to buy different lights. Then you want a thumbnail editor because you're not good at Photoshop. N not you, I'm saying generally people are not yeah. good at Photoshop. So then they find some, these costs add up and add up and add up. So mm -hmm. you start growing your channel. What was your first source of revenue? Would you say? Um, I, I would say AdSense was first. Um, we hit that pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but it was only like $200 a month or $300 a month, which was huge right. at that time. But at first it was, yeah, it, right. it wasn't very much. And, and do you remember how you said it was quite quickly? So was it like around the same time that you took YouTube seriously? Was it yes. Same? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and was, was that during the, this new YouTube 4,000 hours and 1,000 subscribers? Or was this before that? That, came that was into play. before that, yeah, okay. before it came into play, I was able to make to, a few hundred, yeah. To get and in then, the program. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, so, oh, so now YouTube is paying you. Now you're doing the same amount of work and now there's money coming in. Mm -hmm. At which point do your sisters start paying attention and say, oh, hold on, maybe Crystal is not completely insane this time. Yeah, I think it's when I hit 100,000 subscribers when they okay. realized like, okay, she kind of knows what she's doing. So <laughs> that, was, that was a fun moment for me. <laughs> well, the I told you moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And do you, again, do you remember when, when, when that was? When did you hit 100,000? 100,000. I was about seven months into YouTube. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's actually quite, 
quite quick. From... It, was, it was quite, yes. But I, because I had already been doing stuff on Instagram and like I've been blogging for years. So I kind of knew how to read an audience. Like, okay, this is what my audience wants. So this is what I'm going to give them. Nice. And I think like, as soon as you can figure that out, I feel like you can grow a lot faster. Oh, it, are you telling me that it's all about the viewer? Surely not. <laughs> right? As soon as I stopped making videos, like, I want to do this. I want to do that. It can't be about you. It cannot be. But that's the nice thing about kind of you being this influencer across multiple, multiple platforms. You do get to know your audience. And it's not going to be the same people on Pinterest, which are the same people on Facebook and the same people on Instagram and the same people on YouTube. Yes, there's going to be some crossover people. But you do get to tap into various audiences. And since you do like those numbers, are you super involved in the analytics across all these platforms to try and understand what your audience wants? It's interesting because, yes, yeah, so we, we have weekly meetings. Um, once a month, we go through the analytics on every platform to see kind of who is watching, what's, what's happening. Um, so I do know all the analytics. And it's interesting how every platform like you said is a little bit different so mm. our youtube platform is actually a lot older than what we thought and it's very strong like 30 percent is male when on our website two percent is male oh, and wow. so it's it's really it's interesting very very different audiences across the platforms i mean facebook's a little bit older instagram's a younger audience for us pinterest is all over the board because <laughs> lots of people use pinterest so it's it's interesting yeah uh, any guesses as to why you have more of a male audience on YouTube than on the blog? Um, I think because, um, so my, my channel, once I niched down a little bit, I became more of a teaching channel and I taught people how to use um, an instant pot. And a lot of males like to cook, but they weren't sure how to use it. And I was one of the only YouTubers that was teaching Ooh, that at the time. So nice. I was one of the only places they had to go search so i'm guessing that's why they wanted to learn how to use it and youtube is the best place to go we bought this gadget it's got buttons it's got lights <laughs> yes yes you can plug it in you can plug it in which is like ticks all the boxes but you need to know what to put in and so, so something yummy comes out okay yeah. i am yeah. i can relate to that that makes yeah. that, that makes a sense so AdSense is coming in, you're growing your channel, you're getting to 100,000 to 100,000 subscribers. I mean, you got views on your videos, which are coming in nice and consistent with literally millions of views on some of your videos. I mean, I'm looking at, at your channel, 2.4 million on an 11 month old video, 2.1 million on a one year old, 1.7 on a three year old. I mean, these things are coming in beautifully and fast and furious. AdSense is going up at this stage. What's the next source of revenue? Oh, I'm thinking right now. Okay, so after, okay, so we hit 100,000. Actually, before we even hit 100,000, I was at 40,000 subscribers and I had a company come up to me and they say, hey, we'll give you $5,000 for a video. I could have died. Like 5,000 was amazing when I only had 40,000 subscribers. And so I made sure it was like the best video I could possibly make, put so much effort into it. And I was proud of that video, but yeah. So I'd say sponsors was our next one on YouTube where we started 
we started making some decent money. Obviously, my next ones were not five thousand because right. I wasn't even at hundred thousand <laughs> subscribers yet. But even like a fifteen hundred one was, I felt was, it's still was great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Starting out, that's a lot of money. Well, and that's the thing. People think that just because you're in the YouTube AdSense program, the partner program, that all of a sudden it's like raining cash on you. And that isn't the case. It's all boils no. down to views and CPMs and what's your niche and where's your audience is coming from. There are so many variables. I know of channels that have literally millions of views on their videos but are still not making good money because the CPMs are so low. And that is the rate that advertisers are willing to pay for every thousand views. So really a lot of this stuff depends. So when a brand comes along and says, Hey, I'll give you $1,500. That could be like two months worth of AdSense revenue. That's incredible. And you jump at that opportunity if it's a good fit, obviously. Right. Yeah, exactly. If if it's what your audience wants. (laughs) Again, you with the audience. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so let's let's unpack the brands a little bit, if you don't mind. And yeah. typically with brands, there are two approaches. There is those those brands that we as influencers approach, and then there are the cases where the brand approaches us, and then each one is slightly different. Can you take us through a situation when you would approach a brand? What does that look like? Yes, this is like one of my favorite things to do, actually. Um, okay, so I have actually a list of like 50 brands that I, they're like my dream brands, the brands I want to work with. Um, so lots of times I will make sure that their product or whatever it is, is in my video. And then I'm able to show them the video or say, hey, look, this is the recipe I made. I'm using your ketchup. You know, thanks for making such a great product. Um, that's kind of my light way of just communicating with them. Mm. Um, but when I like, I'm ready, I'm cre- I'm making a video. I have a video in mind that I'm going to make and I want to use a specific brand for it. So let's, let's do the example of instant pot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of walk you through step-by-step. Step. So first I want to work with instant pot, the brand. So I make sure that I have the PR email, not the person on social media, because chances are it's not the PR person. So I either go to like Instagram, Twitter, you can even go to LinkedIn. Most brands are on there now um, and say, hey, I would love the PR email um, or the email of the, the PR person. And usually they'll get back to me pretty quickly. So now I have the person I need to talk to who sets up um opportunities like brand opportunities and so then I I pitch my idea so usually when I pitch I just don't give um say hey I want to work with you because the brand would be like okay great now now what you know <laughs> right. I love to I love to have everything set up and ready to go so f- for instance I pitched um instant pot three separate video ideas and they were very detailed like one is the top 10 things that you can make in your instant pot. The next one is how to use the instant pot blender. And the next one, you know, so i got some Very of their specific. new products. Yes, I did my research. I knew what they were looking at and what they wanted. And then when I had this big, nice package put together, then I sent it to them saying, look, this, this is what I can offer you. This is what I can do. Um, this is the average views that I get on each video and just kind of had a nice, Nice, pretty package and put a bow on it, I guess, <laughs> through email. 
so um, well b- before before we carry on so one okay, question go. that i wanted to ask quickly yeah um do you not worry at any stage because now you're literally giving them the ideas did you mm-hmm. not worry that somebody might see this go this this beautifully packaged idea or set of ideas and go oh thanks very much we'll do it ourselves or we'll give it to our other influencers that we already work with did that ever become a concern yeah it's it's happened before um oh, then they okay. took it and they said no and then they i saw something later <laughs> and it was kind of like okay maybe not a brand i want to work with if you're going to take my ideas so i don't know like yes there is chance that they could take it or they'll just plain out say no but lots of times brands are looking they don't want to do a lot of that work well, fair <laughs> enough. they love to have an idea of how yeah how to make it work so i don't do this often i do this maybe like twice maybe three times a year gotcha. and pitch a huge brand um with ideas but um, but i think i think you're right i think the at the end of the day they want word of mouth marketing which so it means other people yeah. talk about their brands and if they've get, got a very excited person who's willing to put in the effort has already done all this research it's almost like a perfect fit for them there really isn't any big incentive on their side to steal the ideas. And we're talking about, obviously, the, the decent brands. Like you said, those who will do it, well, are they really a brand you want to work with in the first place? So, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I interrupted you because I, yeah. I, it's always a big concern. Like, how much information do I share with the brand? I want them to get excited enough to want to work with me, but do I really want to show them my entire cards? What's next? It kind of depends on the brand. Sometimes we'll put okay. the money, like how much we would charge for something like that. But lots of times I just send the package saying, we would love to work with you. And these are some of our ideas. And lots of times they'll come back with a price. And usually it's a pretty decent one. Um, or if it's, yeah, we could also, you, okay, as you're packaging your nice deal, we'll always put in like Instagram. You could do YouTube stories, YouTube community tab. Like there's a lot of different things mm. that you could add to it to make it more valuable. Um, and you can charge a little bit more for stuff like that. Yeah, well, so okay. that, well you can't, you, you cannot just drop all these nuggets and then just simply skip okay. over like you didn't say it. Okay. Um, so I think it's a good point because people think of Instagram as, oh, it's Instagram, but no. Yeah. Instagram is divided up into multiple products. You've got in-feed, you've got stories, you've got reels, you've got um, lives that you can do. The same thing happens with YouTube. It's, it's, yeah. it's made up of lots of lots of sub-products and all of those are valuable. So for a brand, instead of just pitching, I'll do an Instagram feed, um, like in-feed post, you can do, what about a carousel that's made up of three different pictures? Uh, or, you know, all of those are different value add that you can make your overall idea a much more appealing one all right so now you're you're putting this package together you've you've made it all pretty you say sometimes you quote a number and then other times you let them come back what happens if they come back and they say this sounds amazing we're willing to give you a 25 dollar amazon gift card for your trouble (laughs) so so then if they do something like that which is it happens. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yes, it um, does. <laughs> I don't know about you, but we have created like a media kit with all of our numbers and what every, all the stats of our YouTube, of our 
you know, Instagram of mm-hmm. kind of everything, our stats of everything. And then we'll also have a monetary media kit that shows how much we charge for each one. So then I'll just gently send them like, actually, in order to do all those things, um, we're only charged, um, let's see, in order to do all those things, this is what we usually charge. Now, if you do just want a plain YouTube video, we can also throw in some, an Instagram and maybe a, a pin on Pinterest, or, you know, always try and sweeten right. the deal to make it seem like it's worth their money. But yeah, we... We, we're pretty strict at sticking with our price points of what we're worth. And do you stick with it today because you know you're valued? Um, and do you have a different view when you were just starting to explore this monetary side? Yeah. So first starting out, I would be happy if I got a free product. Like that's, right. that's really how it starts. You can practice learning with brands by getting free products and then talking about it. Um, but then a little further down the line, I realized like it takes money. It takes time. It would cost them over a thousand dollars to create something like this. And so for me, I'm just like, you know, it's time to start charging and this is my number and I don't go below it. So it took me until about to hit a hundred thousand, um, subscribers that kind of hit me like, okay, I'm kind of bigger now. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can charge that and, and keep my prices high. So and is it based on the subscribers or are you kind of giving them the value based on your views based on my views so i'll take like my last 10 videos and then divide it by 10 so i kind of have the average of my last 10 you know um and then i i just do the you get a thousand dollars for every ten thousand views so that's kind of how i charge it i know a lot of youtubers do something differently but i feel like that's fair for both parties to to charge something like that and i think that's that's an important point because there really isn't like a standard rate card across the board people Mm -hmm. will charge a stupidly high number and people will charge a stupidly low number including free (laughs) so it it kind of like where you have to find your feet where do you fit in the middle and the, the thing that I always look at for myself is what's the value that I'm willing to put into this, my time, the editors, the cost that I actually have, and what's my bottom line? And anything above that, it's worth doing. Anything below that, it just isn't. And the amount of time and effort and prep work that it takes to do a video, could I be spending it on the next brand or another deal or even maybe a better performing video that's going to bring me that revenue anyway? So right. we have to kind of balance all those things up. So just if you want to repeat that formula one more time, you said you get you, you work on the last 10 videos, mm-hmm. views, divide that by yeah. 10 to get an average number of views per video. Yeah. Then well, how do you do your dollar amount? And then for every 10,000 views... I charge a thousand dollars. Okay, perfect. So there you go. That's your way of doing it. And that yeah. like some people hearing this might say, "Wow, I don't even get a th- ten thousand views per video, so this doesn't apply to me." And that's cool. But then have a rate, have a rate yeah. that you're saying for you it's financially worth doing, and then is also the goodwill of working with that company. And you've got to take all these factors into account and see what works for you. The one thing that I'm not enjoying out in the industry at the moment is that people are so strict, never work for free, only do this unless you can make, you know, $10,000 a video and not, not, not everyone's in the same position. So you have yeah. to make a decision. 
that works for you. So I'm yeah. glad we kind of brought that up. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so now you have your rate. You have your rate that you're willing, that this is what you're willing to do it for. The brand comes back and they either up their price or they say, um, okay, look, we can do it for this rate. And then you sweeten the deal by adding two or three extras. So now everybody feels like they've won, which is a fantastic approach. Um, you know, I also like the idea that you can always negotiate down, but you can't negotiate up. Exactly. So start at this price that you would like to get. And if they're very strict, you can always do that. The one important point on this, again, is that some brands, just so people know, some brands actually have a budget for each platform. So they might say, I have X for YouTube. I've got Y for Instagram. I've got Z for Pinterest. So when you come in with a holistic package, they might say to you, look, I cannot do YouTube this month, but I do have budget left on Instagram. Let's do something on Instagram this month and let's revisit YouTube next month. Yes. The bigger your packages are and the, more, the better that you present yourself, the more opportunities you give the brand to say yes to you rather mm -hmm. than here's my rate. That's my one platform. I'm willing to do one dedicated video, take it or leave it. Well, you're kind of restricting yourself and their ability to work with you. So again, just something else to, to bear in mind. There are budgets per platform these days, as opposed yeah. to just an overall marketing budget. All right. So um, we, I know we're kind of going down these rabbit holes, but I think these are important for, for people to understand. Um, all right. So now we have a situation where you've approached the brand, you've given them this lovely package, you've negotiated the price. What happens next? Um, it kind of just depends on the brand if okay. they if they take it or not. So if they say yes, obviously, then you go into the legalities. Do you do you always have a contract um, outlining what you yes. agree to? Okay, good. We used to not, and we got. Listen, if I can offer any advice at all when working with brands, is make sure you get a contract and you read the contract. We now actually have a lawyer that reads through for us because there was one one that was really really bad and um yes they all right what happened what happened oh, it, it was mostly they they just refused to pay us like they had a, a company come and buy out the company that we were working with and so we just fell through the cracks and so we it took about a year to finally get paid for from this brand and we just had our lawyer sending them messages every every few weeks here you go. This is what you owe us now. Don't forget this is what you owe us. Wow. But just, just to understand. Yeah, I don't understand all the, the fancy wordage, I'll be honest, but right. the lawyer does. And so they can explain to us exactly, okay, this is actually what it means. And so that's, that's why we have a lawyer doing it now just from that one smart. situation. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think it's very smart because a lot of creators just are so excited to get this brand deal that either they just rely on an email correspondence and they go, oh, like this is what we kind of agreed to, but they, they don't take other things into account. Like, are they allowed to make edits? How many edits? How long between they ask for revisions? <laughs> are you going to yes. charge for those revisions? So things like that, that could really mess you up because you could be waiting for them to come back to you with an edit you or, or any request or even just approval and now you've got this amazing video, you're not getting paid, you've put in the work and weeks, if not months go by, 
and they still yeah. haven't approved it because their contract yeah. doesn't tell them that they have to approve it within 48 hours or whatever time limit you set in place. Legalities of brand deals are so super, uh, I don't know, important. You have to find an attorney that understands this and someone that you can say, look, make sure we're just getting a fair deal. And then I, I think we're going to have an entire episode on legality because I find a lot of creators are skipping this step and it it's getting to a point that's starting to hurt. Um, we've seen creators that I've worked with where their stuff was used in commercials because they signed away the rights for it. And it, 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 it can get nasty, like not on purpose. In other words, the brand doesn't think they're doing something wrong because you signed the piece of paper, you agreed to it. Well, right. but we'll, we'll dissect that at another point in time. <laughs> um, let, let's swap it to the other side. Um, okay. So this is you approaching the brand and you've got this great relationship and now you're starting to work with them. That's amazing. What happens when a brand approaches you? How do your kind of, how does the approach change? Do you send them something different than your media pack? Take us through that process. Okay. So first, before we like agree to do anything, I have to try out the products. Like that's my biggest thing. I have to try it because I can't just say, oh yeah, let's do this. And I've never had it before. So it takes, some brands get a little frustrated because I'm like, okay, hey, I need to try it before anything else can happen. So once I try it and I like it, then I'll go back and say, yes, we, we would love to do a deal with you. Um, then I use the magic words of what is your budget? Mm, um, that's nice. what we've been really trying to do lately. Instead of just saying, okay, here are our prices. We're the ones that ask it first, like, what is your budget? Some brands will, will come very first and say, we will give you, I don't know, 8,000 or $10,000 for this video. Um, mm -hmm. and that's how they work. But if they don't have any numbers, then we ask for the budget. Um, and so lots of times when you ask that, they pay more than what you actually would have charged, would have charged them. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's the other way. They pay less than what you are going to charge them. So then if that's the case, then we'll send them our media kit yeah, with okay. the prices of what we charge. Um, and then just always kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. Like we'll also add on, you know, like we talked about those little extra things right, just right, to make right. it better for everyone. We really uh, like your products. We really want to make this work. So here is like a little bit of extra that we can throw in. Let's see how we can work together. That yeah. makes that makes sense. That, the magic phrase that I have learned to use, and I tell everybody to use this, is when you reply back saying, what is your budget for this campaign? Uh -huh. now, when you use the word campaign, it automatically does like a mind shift in their minds. It makes it makes them realize you're not, you, you're not an amateur. You've done this before. Yeah. Also yeah. campaigns is marketing and they are very used to paying money in marketing campaigns. It's yes. so just by throwing in the word campaign, all of a sudden it puts you into a different bracket than, Oh, we thought we'll just send you a free product. So practically writing down notes. Campaigns. <laughs> okay. okay. I got it. <laughs> it was a game changer for me. It like, like I didn't know how to ask for money and yeah. like what's the most polite way of saying i don't do work for free and <laughs> eventually after lots of trial and error every time i noticed when i said what's your budget for the campaign the response was always very different it was always either came from the same person or in many times actually another person got involved in the conversation because it fell under oh. a campaign department 
So something to, 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 to bear in mind. If you, and if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So yeah. a lot of brands yeah. will very happily send you a free product. And if you say, thanks very much, well, guess what? That's, that's all you're going to get. I think just mostly like know, know your worth. Mm. Um, it took always. us a while to kind of just, you know, stick to our grounds, always offer more. If they say, actually, we're only charging 5,000 and let's say you charge, okay, let's say you charge 8,000, but they say, we'll give you 5,000. Like, no, we need to stick with this 8,000, but I can offer you this and this and this. Right. And also kind of remind them like, actually, so we need to film. We have to pay our editor and our videographer and just let them know like it's expensive to make these videos. And so this is Perfect. why we charge the amount we do. So that's, yeah, that's my last one. Uh, and it's okay to walk away. That's, oh, exactly. That, that is the most yep. important thing to remember, whether you approach the brand or the brand approaches you, if it doesn't fit, if you don't, if you try the product and you realize it's not for your audience, because ahem, once again, it's all about the audience, not about what right. you like. And yep. if you know that it's not a good fit, no, thank you. And you simply yeah. walk away and it, the, the, they'll come back when the time is right, when the money exactly. is right. Uh, I've had the greatest kind of satisfaction that I had was when I said, when I, pro I approached a brand and they mm -hmm. kind of went back, oh, your numbers don't reflect this and your numbers don't do this and it's not a good fit. And that's cool, perfectly fine. Yeah. But it's amazing that a couple of months later, they send an email to say, hey, just saw your channel, love what you do. We would love to work with you. I go, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. All right, so let's talk affiliate. So for those who don't know, affiliate is essentially when you get a lovely personalized link on, that you can put in your videos or on your blog or any place you've got, you can put a link. Somebody clicks on that link, they get taken to the retailer's website, Amazon, Walmart, Best Buys, etc. because there are lots of places that do this. And if they purchase anything, you get a referral commission for lack of a, of a better word. Super powerful. You can do some really nice stuff with it. I'm interested to know how you use affiliate links. Um, okay, that's a good question. So affiliates for us used to make a lot more in Amazon. That was our biggest affiliate. It actually still is one of our biggest affiliates. Um, especially when we got onto YouTube and I would focus some videos on specific items that people actually wanted. And so we did an affiliate for um, a steamer basket. We did it like right before Christmas time. So people were looking for things to go along mm. with their instant pot. And I believe our final total, we had over 38,000, um, excuse me, 3,800 <laughs> <laughs> pot steamer baskets that we sold in just one video um, wow. which was so silly but I had talked about it um enough that it got them excited that like oh my word I need this it's a perfect gift and so we really try and push our affiliates around Christmas because the payback's mm -hmm. a lot better and yeah we can we, we feel like it's a it's easier for us to talk about products I don't well, know. You're, yeah, you're it's, it, it, it's perfect because if I've just watched a video of you making this amazing recipe using this particular product, surely the next step is for me to go, oh, I maybe need this. It's just such a natural step. And especially when you do a verbal call out, say, hey, if you want to check this out, the link is in the description. 
well, what is it? Click. And then off you go to the website. Final pro tip on my side for affiliates is that if you're just start getting started or if you're starting to kind of grow your AdSense, you're trying to grow your audience, you can sign up with affiliates immediately. You don't have to wait till you hit a certain number. But I'll tell you what else it does. Besides the revenue that you get, it gives you data. You can now add into your media kit something like, in the last month, we sold X number of products through our affiliates. Now, you're not telling them what your commission was, because usually it's like pathetically low. But you show the big number. You show the number that Amazon actually sold. And that gives the brand that you want to work with some real value to work out, oh, hold on this person can actually sell products. So affiliate beyond just a little bit of revenue does actually give you a lot of data for you to dissect and work out what your audience likes, what they don't like. And equally as important, when working with brands, you have information that you can show them that you're not just a small creator in inverted commas, but you're actually someone who's able to give them a return on their investment. Okay, sure. I think we've covered quite I a bit. I love that. I love that. So one more thing that I see that you do so well is you have got physical product being your cookbooks. Now, yeah. I, I, I cannot remember how many times you've told me you'll never do another cookbook ever again. And yet... There are many, many more coming out, and each one of them is better than the previous. I know. Previous. I think I told you like seven. I'm like, we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> All right. So, just uh, not everyone obviously can make a cookbook. If you're, you know, if I do a cookbook on my technology channel, probably not going to do so well. So, yeah, but I'm interested yeah. to know that kind of the thought process. You did you do cookbooks before you did YouTube? Yeah. So we we started cookbooks about nine years ago. Okay, so you, so you already were in that mindset that you were gonna that you created physical products from your recipes. You created a physical book. Did you do anything different when you YouTube found success? Did you use your YouTube like almost as a funnel for people to buy your book, or was it more like an authority thing? Hey, people love me. They trust me. They love what I do. It's natural for them to want to buy a book. Yeah. Yeah. So okay my YouTube channel was a lot about the instant pot. And so that was my audience. So I would talk about my other books every now and again, but mm -hmm. nothing that was, you know, off the charts, but we launched our instant pot cookbook in January. Um, COVID, it was supposed to be there for Christmas, but COVID, which is great. Of course. Um, but it worked. January worked. <laughs> um, so I have, because it was just launched, I have no stats of how many books we've sold. But I do know we are top, top 10 pressure cookers on Amazon. We've been there since January. Mm. So I know that, and I talk about it a lot in my YouTube channel. So I know that that has, I know a lot of people have been purchasing it from my YouTube. Um, but I do have an Instant Pot course. Can I talk about that a little bit? Definitely. She's okay, really, awesome. I, I didn't even know that you had a, okay, uh, breaking news. Talk to me. Oh, you did it? No. Okay, breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> So we have an Instant Pot course. Now we realized we had a lot of people from our YouTube who love Instant Pot. And so I just literally went through all the questions of my hundreds of videos of, okay, what are the most common questions? Even though I have videos about them, people kind of like things 
in a package. They don't like to go hunting or searching. So we decided to take a lot of our content and put it together in a course. It's called um, in instantcookingcourse.com. Nice. Um, so we, yeah, so we advertise it a lot on, on YouTube and a few other social media channels, but YouTube was kind of our main audience because that's the people who followed, who subscribed were for the Instant Pot. Um, so we launched the day after Thanksgiving and yeah, we've, we've now hit six figures just from this course um, by pushing it through YouTube. So it's, it's been good. It's been really good. Well done. But, but I love that idea of what are people asking? Well, great. Let's give it to them. What a, what yeah. a great, superb, simple, and so effective to give people what they want. Love it. Cool. That's, and are you did you see those questions like in the comment sections on your YouTube videos? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I just I literally went hunting through the thousands Brilliant. and thousands of comments. Yep. Okay. You see, now I'm making notes. Well, here can people find you? Give us a couple of links, and of course, we'll have them in the show notes. Besides Clubhouse, where can people find you? <laughs> yes, I do love Clubhouse, <laughs> but um, so the business is just Six Sister Stuff on all platforms. Um, but we are starting a new company. We're teaching people how to grow on social media, just to grow their either small businesses or to help understand how to use social media to sell products. And so that's called startupspark.com. If you go there, you can enter in your email. And yeah, we're, we're starting this fun little company in May. So what an adventure, huh? <laughs> There's nothing stopping you. So when I said it right at the beginning that you're building an empire, <laughs> This is what I meant. Always, always fun hanging out with you and chatting. Look forward to seeing you in real life. One of these, one of these fine days. One of these times, right. Uh, and thank you for sharing so much valuable information. I think a lot of people are going to get so much value, which is why I love this stuff. The inside the green room is where amazing conversations happen. So thank you for sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Well, for the rest of you guys still hanging out here, don't forget to hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Leave us a review. We would love to know how, what you thought of the episode. Make sure you go check out Six Sister Stuff. The links will all be in there. Sign up for that course. That sounds super interesting. I'll definitely be checking that out. And we'll catch you on another episode of the Influencer Green Room. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for hanging out with us. We look forward to sharing even more conversations with you from inside the Influencer Green Room.